Hey, folks, Tom Block. Keith Jones. You know us from Front Row Knowles, at least hopefully you do. We're here to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club once again. Spring football game is coming up, KJ, and these two items are related. If you've never been in the Champions Club, or if you have and you want to go back, here's your opportunity to watch the spring game in comfort and style. Great chance to test drive. They've already got about, I think, 4,000 tickets sold for this, and only roughly 20 or 25% are regular Champions Club season so ticket holders. People. So it's a lot of new folks that are sampling it. Uh, the price will include uh, all your food, non-alcoholic beverages. I guess I should share the price. 55 bucks general public, 45 bucks for UC Club members and Seminole Booster members, $40 if you're already a Champions Club seat holder. And it also includes? The concert. The concert. That's right. I was wondering. I was looking at what does it also include? I thought maybe you were hanging out there during the game. It also includes the concert. Uh, general admission seating this time around, so don't think that you got shut out of the best seat. Call 644. Go grab it. You can go grab your own seat. Yeah, first come, first serve. Call 644-1830 or get your tickets at Seminoles.com. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. This is not just the regular edition of Front Row Knowles, Keith. It is a game week. Hard to believe in April. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll take it. It may not count in the standings, or if it does, it counts as a win and a loss, but I'll take it. Well, we go all the way back. We don't have time to get into it, but man, think what it would be like if we were traveling to Athens, Georgia on Friday. I was not going to, here. To I was not going to go here this play week. play a Jamboree spring game against the University of Georgia in the between the hedges and then next year they return the favor by coming down to dope campbell stadium i think someday we got to get to that or keith and i do this rant every year it's sponsored by no one we need to find somebody that actually invests in this little two-minute rant it's two minutes of your life people so just let us get it off our chest or you go the other way and you play a more rigorous schedule during the regular season and you take that one double a or fcs or whatever we're calling them and you scrimmage with them in the spring. Either you, or. You, you pay them some money so they can pay their budget. It's more interesting. That said, all that said, okay, we're done with that. We didn't really need a sponsor. <laughs> that was that was like 60 seconds. There's actually a lot of hype and excitement, more so than I can recall, even more so than the year we were going to get a look at Jameis because that hype really skyrocketed after we saw after him the play. performance. There was sort of whispers that he could be really good, and then you and I called the game and – he was really good. Really First good. pass. Oh, look, it's a touchdown over LaMarcus Joyner. Oh, I guess that guy can play a little bit. But that was afterwards. It hasn't been the lead up like what this has been. Well, and then, you know, reinforce that by the trip down to Orlando when the stadium was, uh, when Champions Club was being built. And we go down to Orlando for the spring game and everything that's associated with that. You know, whether it's scrimmaging another opponent, whether it be double A or whoever, or whether it's moving the spring game occasionally to Jacksonville, Tampa, Orlando, wherever. Uh, certainly, uh, I think we're in a mood or in a, in a movement where those types of things where maybe 10 or 20 years ago would never be talked about. At least there's some conversation on them, and maybe just maybe we'll see some, some uh, implementation of something. That said, we don't need any of that right now not, because not, not this we year. are throwing it back to the 90s. We're not going all the way back to your day in the 70s. Well, that's that's just too far to go back. But we are going back to my day, and truthfully, I'm probably more the 80s. I graduated <laughs> FSU in the 90s. That counts. It was early 90s, but I was there. Uh, hey, hey, if we put it on paper, I'm just pulling it out. Understood. I can show you my degree. I understood. Um, what are you excited about seeing? Uh, we've talked about this. Number one... Actually seeing, a, 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 and I believe it'll be all garnet uniform and then all white uniform for the gold. That's the last I heard. They may change that one more time. But seeing garnet and gold clad individuals, FSU uh, attired individuals in a hurry up offense. We've seen all the other opponents that we've played over the years do it. Uh, we've been told in the prior regime that we could do it if we needed to, just never, I guess, needed to, uh, although six and five and six and six and six would probably dictate you might need to do something but anyway i'm excited about seeing that and then the second part as you again you and i have talked how our defense reacts to that because there's just nothing like going up against your own number one offense and they're hurry up and you got to play against them 
Well, the reports out of camp are that the defense has owned the offense this year. The offensive line is all banged up, even though there's a couple guys missing on the defensive line. Plus, the offense, the defense is changing philosophy and is being more aggressive, but it's not a complete overhaul. Yeah, but that's a, that's a fifty-year thing. We always talk about the second and third week of fall camp when we used to call them two a days, but right. the second and third week of fall camps, so the defense is always ahead of the offense. Because it's easier to play defense. You're reacting. Offense is more of a scripted ballet. This is why you play defense. Now the truth is coming out. I didn't say I was bright. I just said I was perceptive. (laughs) So the defense is always ahead of the offense. This this is the thing that always gets me about spring games. Now this year is going to be different because it's going to look totally different. Everything's new. The coaches are new. The offense is new. The signals are going to be new. There's players that were written off that are now going to be contributors. All There's things. numbers we won't recognize because Coach Taggart has right. saved those single digits, blah, blah, blah. I mean, when you talk about being different, everything is different. They practice in the morning now. They speak to the media before practice. End it's zones a different, different offense. End they zones go are fast. different. End zones are different. We're throwing back are, to the 90s. Are the market, marching Chiefs going to wear something the, different? The Spirit Spear is coming back. That's what I was excited about. Up on the big seeing. board, yep, yep, yep. Generally, after a spring game, though, if one team, if the offense played really well, and that sells the popcorn. You feel pretty, man, that quarterback can throw. That receiver looks good. That running back looks good. But then you step back and you go, our defense isn't worth a lick. You know what I mean? So that's the normal kind of when you walk away from a spring game. Now, this one, for all the reasons I just stated, is going to be really interesting. Uh, on the individual side, though, instead of big picture, I'm interested in seeing uh, at receiver, Terry in particular, who, who by all accounts has had a really good spring, the tight ends, uh, Upshur and Trey McKitty, both been highly talked about a lot um defensively I, you know I don't, i'm not sure i mean it's it's a different style but what what guys are you looking at that you're interested well, is, in seeing i gotta learn relearn I mean, the names but worley the decalin decalin brooks would be another one who's whose and, and worley the safety from uh california is that how you say his name no what is it uh, I put you on the spot. You did, and I'm drawing a total blank, but that's not it. It'll come to me here. But anyway, my point is, uh, you got Stanford Samuels back there. You've got to, you know, you got to replace Derwin James, who's going to step up. By all counts, repeating you, uh, the Brooks kid, uh, raving reviews uh, for his play would be, uh, would be. Thank you. And, and you said Worley, and I'm going. I'm, who is Worley? Yeah. Who is Worley? Okay. Uh, and and it's just going to be neat to see those kids out there and it's like when you and i were, were doing the, the last game of the season and we went out to shreveport to do the bowl game just seeing the different we're mindset. still talking about that shreveport trip in my house by the way yeah. i mean it's the dinner it, conversation i'm all telling the time. you i realize that's a bowl that coach taggart never wants to go back to you remember you were in the locker room when he I said have, we're not coming back here i have family in shreveport and, but, but thankfully they don't listen to the show but <laughs> but my point being watching the kids go through those practices and play those last two ball games with freedom for for lack of a better word with freedom and not worrying about a misstep not worrying about getting hollered at as a means of motivation and then all the reports coming out of uh, the spring ball and and the times that uh, you've been there I've not had an opportunity to go to practice yet but it's just refreshing so I'm excited to see where the program's going and uh, and it's being echoed by everybody. Uh, uh, Dana Cadell was in town uh, this past week, and, and uh, Seminoles dot com. If you go there, uh, they have an interview with with Danny talking about what he's perceiving uh, upon his visit of returning to Florida State. It's just an exciting time, and as Danny said, it's an exciting time to be part of the program. Another former quarterback was here as well this week. Guy that's now the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Bucks. He's got a golf tournament on Friday. He threw out the first pitch last night. You ever seen Jameis play golf? I haven't. I I don't even know if he does. But if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. He can ride around the cart. He threw out the first pitch and then things went downhill after that for the baseball team last night. They were. They were. Do we need to talk about baseball? Carp's moving into the rotation. We knew that was coming. How's he going to do that after throwing 77 pitches last night, though? Well, then he'll throw 77 on Sunday, and, and then he'll work up, and they'll get him back to 110 or whatever. I'm not questioning 11, not questioning Mike. I was just I mean, He's still got four days off. Yeah. I, the question there, and I didn't. I don't know if somebody asked this, he's going into the rotation. I, I'm pretty sure when he came out of the game last night, weren't they losing 3-1 at that point or 3-2? Had they been up 3-1 or 3-2, he might not be going into the rotation for another week because they might have left him out there to get a win. That's my thought there. Very much so. They need to get Drew Mendoza hitting again. I didn't realize that uh, his slump had reached the proportions uh, that it had. Other than that, I'm going to blame Lulu. 
Because it's 18 out of 20, and back when I was doing the games... It wasn't that way, was it? I don't know what it was. It wasn't 18 out of 20 bad guys. All right, well, I'm sure, so Eric, Eric, I'm sure Eric will be texting you here momentarily. To be fair, uh, when I bowed out, it was the start of the Kevin O'Sullivan era, and that was before he really had things rolling the way he has now. Because as much as we hate to admit it, that is Florida, a very good Florida's baseball really team. good, really very good. Very good. All right, so we're done with baseball, right? Yep. We, we just paid the Gators a compliment, so we must have to change the subject, certainly. Holy moly. Football. How about the how about the halftime? Who from your era is going to pull a hamstring at halftime in this flag game? Or are they just going to stand on the sideline and cheer? Is, is Jimmy going to be out there tossing the ball around? The, the only three kids that I believe kids. are going to be there. The three kids. My, my my era, we'll call them kids. The only three that I know or I believe are going to be there is, is Wally Woodham and Jimmy Jordan. Both played quarterback. So they'll alternate series or something. They may not even get out there if of the young guys are there. And David Ponder, Christian's dad, is coming back. And he's a defensive lineman, so I don't know what he does during the flag football game. Uh, but other than that, I haven't heard Rush is the pastor. Okay. I guess. I guess. Did I say rush the pastor? Rush the passer. I'm not sure what kind of slip that was, but it probably wasn't a good one if that's what came out of my mouth. Well, I'm interested to see what our halftime, our, our, <laughs> our, our, our sideline hits look like during the pregame or during the spring game. No better time than now to um, perhaps take a break. <laughs> I will point out that it's National BLT Day. I bet you didn't know that. I did not know that. I saw and this. I don't like tomatoes, so it's BL Day. I saw this. <laughs> which is better than BS Day, which is kind of what this show turns into every Wednesday, I think. Uh, $5 BLT dip all day long at uh, Madison Social, as that's uh, probably not doing you a lot of justice unless you were already in the car on your way to Madison Social tonight uh, when you hear this. I'll point out the township opens at 9 a.m. Saturday. And uh, just for Keith, from 9 to 10, it's dollar beers, $2 mimosas. Then if you sleep a little later, you get there at 10, it's $2 beers, $3 mimosas. And if you sleep and get there at 11, uh, the price goes up to $3 beers and $4 mimosas. I, I, I don't know what to say to that. I'll say that we'll come back and continue this show. We are just getting started. We're going to talk a lot of spring football today. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us later on. Plus much more straight ahead on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, as you know, we're throwing it back to the 90s this week. The spring game on Saturday, kickoff at 6 o'clock. Reminder to buy your tickets in advance if you have not done so already. Champions Club, the Dunlap Champions Club, those seats are sold Sold out. out. Sold out. So good job there, folks. But as we throw it back to the 90s and we fire up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together. No better way to go old school than to say hello to Florida State's first Heisman Trophy winner and an FSU legend in Charlie Ward. Charlie, how are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine, guys. How are you guys today? We are great. It's a, it's game week, Charlie. Game week. It might be spring, but it's still game week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's uh, everyone's excited about uh, the new new regime in some form or fashion, and um, I guess everyone's excited to see what it's going to look like. Um, I'm sure you guys have had an opportunity to go to practice or heard, but uh, it may be a little different as far as the pace is concerned, but the players are pretty much the same. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to see how they how they put it all together, you know, in a game-like situation. Charlie, uh, those that follow Florida State obviously familiar with your story and, uh, and of course, your friendship with Warwick Dunn. And, and you guys were really, really, really quiet. In fact, I heard at one time your, your, your dorm room was referred to as the library. I'm just wondering, you've been out at practice. What do you make of all the music and, and all the extracurricular that goes on? Uh, that's a far departure from what uh, I experienced in the late 70s and you'd experienced in the early 90s with Coach Bowden. Well, I mean, you know, it's part of the um, 21st century, you know, reaching the kids today. And, you know, one of the things I think that's misconception is, you know, that 
you play the music and you do all those different things that they're still not being coached or the discipline and what have you, um, I think there's a balance that has to be striked, you know, in order to be successful. And there's some, I mean, you can't skin a cat. There's different ways to skin a cat, as we all know. And some teams do a little different than others. But, you know, I'm just, I'm happy to see that the guys are enjoying practice um, because that's a drag most of the times. And so, you know, whatever you can do to keep them going throughout the day and they're still learning and still out there working hard, um, I'm all for it. You've been out there and you've had a chance to talk with Coach Taggart. What impresses you about what you know so far about Willie Taggart? Uh, Well, he's definitely a people person. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, been able to communicate with uh, not just the former players, but the current players. I thought he did a great job with just the first month and, uh, and some change, you know, just getting to know different players, you know, and he brought a structure in very similar to the one that I, I was used to where there's accountability um, and discipline, you know, along with, you know, the expectation of what, what is what you're supposed to be doing and guys holding each other accountable and playing for one another. And so, you know, the different things that he's done to help, you know, get that part back in order was uh, something that, you know, has been, been great. But like I said, he, he's, he wants to be here. Uh, he's grew up, he grew up, wanted to be a knoll in some form of fashion. And so he has an opportunity to uh, be here in a different capacity as a coach. But I think he's uh, the right guy for the job, for sure. Charlie, take a minute and just, just uh, explain to our listeners, you and I both grew up in the era with Coach Bowden and this concept of accountability. We, we, didn't, want to, we didn't want to um, disappoint Coach Bowden and our coaches, and we didn't want to disappoint each other. So our coaches held us accountable, and we held each other accountable. That seemed to have gotten away a little bit, uh, at least in the last few years, but uh, that's certainly a theme also of Coach Taggart. Uh, well, yes. I mean, you know, the only way that you can be successful on a team, and I share this with my team, is not when the coaches are the ones doing the correcting, but the players. And uh, when the players are the ones that are doing the correcting and teaching uh, what you've taught them, you know, that's where the team starts to take off and go to the next level. And that's where we were, you know, as, you know, seniors and juniors, we were able to help the younger guys because we were, you know, it wasn't about, you know, who was going to play and my job and those types of things. I think we all wanted to play, but we knew that there was a system in place and, you know, we just had to go through that system. And if you got an opportunity to play, you were going to, going to play but the biggest key for us was off the field you know we had Burt Reynolds Hall and that's where you know all the football guys stayed and if you weren't a part of a segment um, you may be living next to the guy that's at a different segment and so it was definitely a neighborhood environment you know I, would, I remember going next door to ask guys to have some sugar that I could use um, or just the bar or something. And so, you know, that's the type of environment uh, that goes far beyond, you know, football. Um, but it also transfers over to the field because, you know, that guys have your back and vice versa. And so it was it's something that Coach Taggart has made a point. Um, he's done some strategic things intentionally to, um, to try to drive that point home. Uh, but the accountability of just, um, you know, if you miss class or not showing up for dinner or meetings, there are consequences um, and for those actions. And so just the other day I was at practice field and uh, Francois in 7-on-7 threw an interception. And next thing I know, I see him jogging around the field. And so that was just an accountability thing, you know, uh, where you throw an interception in practice, uh, you get a chance to, you know, be held accountable right then, and you're missing reps. 
And if you're in a competition, mm-hmm. that's something that you don't want to do. So um, that's just one example. But I'm sure there are numerous examples of how guys are being held accountable by the coaches and the guys are willing to accept that. And that's the other big thing, uh, which I think plays a big part in being successful. We're talking with Florida State legend Charlie Ward. Charlie, you've got a, a book out, and I think you're going to be signing copies of it this weekend. I'm sure that much of what you're discussing right now is probably detailed in that book. Share a little bit about uh, uh, about what you cover and uh, you know, sort of the impetus or the drive to write this book. Uh, well, it's my uh, life story that uh, John Finkel um, came from the national. Well, he came on behalf of the National Football Foundation. And um, I was the second Hall of Famer that he did a uh, story on, or did a story on, life story on. Mean Joe Green's the first one. And so it's basically sharing, you know, from my high school days to my college days, how I was recruited, um, to being a professional and and now being, being a coach. And all those you know, a lot of times people look at the career, at my career and the accolades and different things that I may, I was able to accomplish, but there are a lot of times that I had to wait um, and be patient and uh, persevere through some tough times and tough situations. Tough to me. I mean, some people have different meanings, but you know, it's tough to me uh, because in our day and age today, you know, everybody wants it right now. And that's, the way our social with social media um, and all the different things that's going on today, we, we can get information and things that we want right now. And, you know, for me, I had to wait in all phases, whether it was in high school, through an injury, or in college, being a punter, waiting for three years to play quarterback, I was in the pros, you know, not playing my rookie year and then, you know, not having an opportunity my second year. Uh, where it looked promising to play, and I had to be patient. Um, but uh, through it all, you know, it, when you start looking at the outcome, it was because of, you know, hard work and, you know, people holding me accountable and, and giving me opportunities. The book is called The Athlete, Greatness, Grace, and the Unprecedented Life of Charlie Ward. You'll be signing copies uh, two to four in the south end zone on Saturday before the game at the Seminole Sports Shop there, uh, FSU Bookstore. We're talking with Charlie Ward. Charlie, you mentioned uh, we, we've talked a lot about coaching. We haven't talked about the fact that you've been a coach since your playing day stopped, and, and now you're going to be moving back to Tallahassee to coach basketball at Florida High. So, what has the the transition been like for you from player to coach? What do you enjoy about this side of it now? Um, well, I found that it's a lot tougher <laughs> than than normal. Um, playing, you have more of a you know direct you know impact on the game. Um, coaching, you you're like the second fiddle in a sense. You, you prepare them, and then you push them out there to, to to go out and do what you prepare them to do. And sometimes that happens, and sometimes they don't. But uh, one thing I have found is, you know, when you have good players, uh, they definitely make you look good. Uh, and so I'm definitely looking forward to the, the opportunity to be able to coach uh, basketball again. I've been out of basketball for, you know, I guess, well, high school anyway, for about nine years. I did coach my kids' teams, you know, middle school. I mean, yeah, middle school and elementary. But um, I'm just excited about the the chance to be able to, you know, share my experiences with the the young kids, young people, uh, which I've been doing for the past, you know, 10 years or so in high school. And it's, uh, something that I enjoy. You know, one of the things I really enjoy doing is being able to, you know, instill or help instill, you know, the work part and just teachable moments. You know, things that um, I've learned over my my career through other through my coaches and my experiences. And I just like to, you know, share that with the young people as they continue to be molded. Um, 
in their you know during their their young younger years. Well, Charlie, I guess the burning question for a lot of Seminole fans is: Will you be participating in the flag football game at halftime of the spring game? We're going to see. We're going to see Ward uh, take that football with a, that tight spiral. Any? Uh, no, I won't be. I won't be participating um, in the flag football game. However, I will be there to watch. But I hear that there's quite a few players that's coming back to. Um, to play this year, which is is awesome, and I'll uh, be I probably coach. That would probably be the best deal for me. <laughs> well, you, well, you'll be down on the field coach, and I'll be up in the radio booth uh, cheering. I guess is what I would say because I'm not going out there either. Yeah, it's um, sometimes I've heard you know stories, and I'm just not one of those that want to be laid up for the next. You know, six months. Um, <laughs> Just wait so your key stage. Yeah, then it's like a year. <laughs> Charlie, yeah. one one last quick thing. I'm, I'm, and, and this is a little bit of a uh, egotistical comment on my part, but I, I've had the opportunity to meet your parents. I've had the opportunity to be in your parents' home up in Thomasville. You may recall we taped a couple of the uh, Sun Sports Gridiron Great segments up there. I know how important family is to you, and I know how close you are to your family. Um, have you processed, I know you haven't moved yet, uh, cause your kids are in school, finishing out the school year and that type of thing, but have you processed what it's going to be like to be back in, in, in the Tallahassee Thomasville area? Um, I mean, I guess so. Cause I was just, I was just in Tallahassee last week, all week and I stayed at my parents' home. And so I was driving back and forth and, you know, from where we're potentially, looking to live it's um, like 50 52 minutes so uh that would definitely be different um being able to um to go to thomasville um often and you know we're still about four and a half hours from my mother-in-law who lives in atlanta and my sister-in-law so you know it's it's all drivable and, you know, this day and age where we're all getting older, uh, we definitely value, you know, being around family more. And the kids get an opportunity to spend more time with their aunts and uncles and grandparents and uh, niece, I mean, their cousins. And so, I mean, it's it'll be different, you know, than what we're accustomed to. But it's definitely uh, something that we plan on doing um, at some point. Charlie, thank you so much for a few minutes of your time and for what you have done for Florida State over the years. A lot of people, as we throw it back to the 90s, have very fond memories, obviously, of uh, watching your career and watching that 93 season in particular. Look forward to seeing you on the sideline, and, and maybe one of your former teammates can twist your arm and get you to, to use that thing and throw a football or two on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from the sideline. all right well take care charlie ward will be seeing a lot more of him uh, around town obviously as he moves back florida state uh legend and all and always great to hear him and it uh you know when you hear him talk about getting old keith then we all have to step back and say man it makes me realize we're all i I was 1993 was not exactly last week tommy i was in the stand in atlanta florida state georgia tech FSU down by a couple of scores going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, that quarter. was the birth of the fast break. That was the birth of the fast break. Coach Bowden turned to Coach Scott and said, turn it loose. And Charlie was at the helm. They came back, won the ball game. The rest of the uh, uh, rest of it, as they say, is history. And uh, and Charlie, one of the greatest, greatest Seminoles ever to uh, lace them up. And that was the 92 season. And Correct. I remember when I first got to Florida State and Charlie was here punting. Mm-hmm. That was long 89, be- I believe. Yeah, long before he uh, starred as the quarterback. But obviously, a lot of fond memories, and a lot of those are going to come back this weekend with what's going on. We'll, we'll step aside, come back, and uh, reminisce some more. It is an I Love the 90s week here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
want to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone because... Tom Block alongside Keith Jones, who's not internationally known, but as I've pointed out before, he's known to rock the microphone. This Keith... Is a little Rob Bass. Well, I I, I kind of remembered the first part of it, but I don't remember this this part. Well, I have this look of bewilderment. Which I would is think no different than any other Wednesday when we sit here and do this show. <laughs> no, that that's mentioned. usually confusion. Understand? I'm just trying to educate. That was the educational portion of this week's front row. Note. I want you to be prepped for what you're going to experience after the game on Saturday. Understood. I appreciate uh, you uh, educating me. It's the best I can do. How about uh, Charlie Ward? By the way. You know, again, we, we God, mentioned I feel that, old. I, you know, and he's got gray hair now. I mean, he does. I, I hope he he's does. not listening right now. But that, that's what really makes us feel old. And I, I, had, I was at a meeting that uh, Charlie spoke at for the Boys and Girls Club uh, a little while ago. Uh, Gene uh, Deckerhoff emceed it, and Charlie was the speaker, and and really enjoyed it. And and I remember Charlie walking up, and and it took him a few seconds to get get situated because he had to have his water bottle. And then he had his iPad, and he had to bring it up to wherever his notes were. And of course, he's very methodical and 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 and, and thoughtful in anything that he says. And it took him a while, a few whiles, to get adjusted. And then he told a joke. I had never heard—I don't remember what the joke was—but I'd never heard Charlie tell a joke before, and it was actually pretty humorous. And I'm going, well, he he's been schooled some more. He's getting better and better at it. And uh, and his words, um, you know, uh, people just listen. And particularly young people, because I, you know, I I would tell you, I I would think this is a factual statement. Charlie Ward is one of the top ten players in the history of college football, and then never played a down as a professional. Played twelve years in the NBA, and maybe that even reinforces and makes what he did as a collegiate athlete even more impressive. Uh, he's remarkable. What's your favorite Charlie Ward memory? Well, my, my favorite you mentioned the Georgia Tech is game. the Georgia Tech because I'm sitting up there. You know, we weren't televising away games during that time. We were only doing home games for Sunshine Network, Sun Sports. So I had traveled up to Atlanta, and I'm sitting in the stands, and, and this was a game that Florida State was supposed to win, not running away, but this is 1992. Uh, you know, it was a very important game. Florida State just got into the ACC. You know, you're playing, you know, for a league title. You're playing a, a new team that is is a, a part of your your uh, conference now. And Florida State's down, whatever it was, 21-7. 21-7, yeah. yeah. And, and then afterwards you hear the story about Coach Bowden turning to, to Brad Scott and saying, all right, turn them loose. And you, you see Charlie go into the hurry-up. And and although everyone all the twenty three other twenty one other players on the field are moving real fast, it just doesn't look like Charlie's moving very fast until he gets past them because he was so graceful. Side note: I've asked our partner William Floyd about that game and the comeback. To which he pointed out, well, once we went four wide, I kind of wasn't in the game because <laughs> that changed his, exactly. It changed his dynamic when the offense changed. So, longtime fans remember this, but Charlie's first two games. In 2000. Uh, threw eight interceptions. Yes, 2000. 1992. Duke here at home, he threw four interceptions. Clemson on the road, he threw four picks. Now, they, he also threw the game winner to Kevin Knox Correct. at Death Valley uh, in that game. Later that year was the Georgia Tech game you're referring to. And you can point to a myriad of things. In it, 90, it, I mean, in 93, obviously, most people would point to, if you're going to pick one singular moment, they'd pick the throw to Dunn on third mm-hmm. down in the swamp. In the swamp. But there also was sort of the Heisman leap that he had against Virginia when we knew he was going to win that. I mean, there's just so many plays you could point to. And then move to the other venue, the hardwood. You know, Florida State just coming off of a, a, an Elite Eight appearance. The last time Florida State had basically been there was Charlie Ward as the point guard. And, and uh, be able to do it in both of those sports at such a high level. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. He He's one of the ten greatest collegiate athletes to ever participate, in my opinion. He, he took one of the most memorable no 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 yes shots that i can recall and it was against louisville to win the metro conference from about 27 feet away right and it iced it in the last minute of the game that was fsu's last year in the metro of course charlie was on the team that went in and won at the dean dome the very first the wine and cheese party well that was sam cassell who said it let's not attribute that to no but charlie was leading that team when sam cassell i'm just suggesting let's not attribute that comment to uh, to Charlie Ward. I, I always point this out, you know, Clemson's got the upper hand in football right now, but it still astounds me that Clemson in the entire history of being in the ACC and playing in Chapel Hill has never won a basketball game 
at North Carolina, and Florida State did it his very first time in the ACC. 53 or 54 consecutive defeats for Clemson, I believe it is now. But, yeah, there's just all kinds of memories about Charlie. I, I wanted to ask him this, but I didn't because he's been asked it 4 million times, and I'm sure he's hated it all 4 million times. Do did you Warwick get in? Not that one. Okay. That's the question that Warwick Dunn hates getting asked. Do you ever wonder what would have happened had you put the pads on and played professionally? You know, I, I, I've had a little bit of a conversation with Charlie. I don't know what his official answer is, but if I'm putting words in his mouth, I think he'd be the first to tell you, no, no, football, football hurt. Football was tough. And Charlie had some, some sig- not significant injuries from the standpoint of surgery, but he got banged around a lot. There's no question from a health and financial state standpoint he made the better decision because you get guaranteed money in the NBA. He made a lot of it, whatever it was, played a lot of years there. Not that that's ever been Charlie's motivation. From a health standpoint, you're not getting slammed into the turf and dealing with concussion issues right now. But just as those of us wonder and think about the fun that was, he obviously had a lot of fun playing football too. I think too, Charlie and, and those that were advising him at the time recognized that he would have been a little bit ahead of his time in terms of what his skill set was. Quarterbacks were not running the football in 94, 95, 96 in the NFL. Uh, It wasn't until Michael Vick got in there in 2000, 2001 when that became a little more noted. I think he made a very strategic and a very sound business decision. Look, here's my skill set. Works very well in college, doesn't work so well at the pro level here's my skill set for basketball works very well in college and will also translate very well to the nba and that's the route he went and the rest is history speaking about running quarterbacks it also was before his era but had dan kendra arrived on the scene during the read option days he would have been tim tebow before Tim Tebow was Tim Tebow. There's no question. But the, also- the, high, the high school tape, this is when I was working at Channel 27, and it video was not prevalent, prevalent like it is right now. FSU just got a commitment this week. You can go online and you can watch 4,000 throws that he made. Back then, you didn't see video like that. So I remember getting this tape, an old three-quarter inch tape from whatever town he was from in Pennsylvania, whatever the station was. And it was, you talk about a men among boys, every run he broke 64 tackles, which is mathematically impossible, and scored a touchdown. And that's what that Dan Kendra tape was. I mean, it also goes back to the absolute fear that every coach has about the game we're going to play on Saturday, the spring game. Because what ended Dan Kendra's career? A knee injury in the Garden Gold game. But it also brings up the point that he was not in a running offense and he got hurt, i.e. you can be a passing quarterback and take shots. Oh, you can so, trip running out for, for pregame. So that that's a way. <laughs> I did to, that one time, by the way. For the younger listeners who could care less about Keith and I going down uh, memory lane here, that's a good way to segue back to this one. It does bring up the point, Jimbo didn't run his quarterbacks a lot. It remains to be seen how much Taggart's going to run them. And I'm not talking about Saturday. I'm talking about in general. But if you have a quarterback and you want him to stand in the pocket until the last second, and thread a needle and take a helmet in the chest. Okay, that'd be targeting. Take a shoulder pad in the chest. You know, that there's some wear into, or get rolled up on compared to if you're running the read option, you're running in general, and you can slide and get down and prevent some of them. Uh, again, just the, the, the Dan Kendra thing, it was Bradley Jennings was the linebacker mm-hmm. who hit Dan Kendra in that spring, and that opened the door for Chris Winkie, who, by the way, broke his neck playing quarterback as a non-running quarterback. On a sack. Right. No, actually, it so, might have been on a, a so quarterback what, keeper. I don't remember. Anyway. So, so what do you – it was against Virginia. I know yeah. that. Uh, and I remember seeing him come off the field. I knew it was pretty serious. How much do you think we'll see – again, not this weekend, in general? I, Ten, I, I think you'll see – none is over on the left-hand side. Fifteen times a game is over on the right-hand side. I think you'll see something in the middle. I think I think if if Coach Taggart could script what he wanted to have happen, your quarterback would probably keep the ball five or seven times on designed run pass options. And the bulk of those would be on the outside where there's the opportunity for him to get down if he has the opportunity. In other words, of those four or five or seven carries – Half of those carries hopefully would end with the quarterback sliding 
not taking a full hit. So it's not like you're running the veer. You're not running the wishbone. This is not a Georgia Tech right. well, type you, of thing. If you think about the read option, uh, you know, if you if you keep it. You're supposed to be in space. You're in space. And at that point, you've got seven, eight yards, and you can slide down without trying to be Superman and avoid a linebacker or a corner or whatever. Well, sometimes you'll get caught Safety. off guards. I, I understand. But <clears throat> pardon me. That's how I envision this happening. I mean, Francois or, or Blackman or, or um, whoever, you know, pulling the ball out, faking a throw, moving seven yards and sliding. Do and that re- just drives defenses crazy. It will make them go crazy when it's being run successfully. I know it happened, and I don't remember the injury, but I remember that – I don't know if it was 92. I want to say it was 93. It was against Maryland that Danny Cannell started a game for Charlie. So something happened and Charlie was hurt. But I'm thinking – had a shoulder issue, I think. Is that what it was? I think I'm thinking – I was going to say, do you remember what – because Charlie was – uh, the point I'm making here, we talk about Blackman being thin. Charlie maybe wasn't that thin, but Charlie wasn't exactly 220 playing no, no, quarterback no, no, no. now. The offense was winning 70 to 10 and nobody touched him because he was so elusive, but – I think it was a shoulder. If I remember correctly, that was also what plagued him a little bit at the Knicks uh, at the NBA level was a shoulder. Point being, he didn't have issues with his ankles, his knees, and his hips. Now, he's a little bit older. He may say they hurt occasionally, but to my recollection, there was never a surgical procedure associated with a knee, ankle, or hip for Charlie, and I think he protected himself quite well in that regard. I am a lucky man today. We talked to Florida State legend Charlie Ward. I sit next to Florida State legend Keith Jones. And now we're going to come back and talk to another legend in our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, right after this. We don't need no thoughts control. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Yo, VIP. Let's kick it. Vanilla Ice going to be on stage right after the spring game on Saturday at Doe Campbell Stadium. Keith. I missed a golden opportunity at the end of last segment, and you queued me up, so I'm going to use your line now with proper attribution. It's not that I've been surrounded by legends today. It's been the man, the myth, and the legend. And so the legend was clearly Charlie Ward, and we're about to talk to the man, Tim Linnefelt, which makes you the one and only, the myth, Keith Jones. Our Seminoles.com insider is Tim Linnefelt as we fire up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, ensuring your future together. The man, Tim, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. You know, when I, when I heard that song, I thought that it was, uh, I thought you were playing under pressure, which is what I am for uh, for having to follow Charlie Ward on this show. But then I realized it was the Vanilla Ice first, which uh, makes a little more sense. Well, let's let's just put this on the table right now. So you got Rob Bass. We heard him earlier. I educated Keith. We got Vanilla Ice. Can we queue up? We got a little salt and pepper. Let's, this is going on as well. Oh, yeah. All right. So here's the question, Tim. When you are drafting, which is not the right word, hacking, typing, whatever you use, your post-game spring story on Saturday after the game, you're going to stop typing when who takes the stage? Vanilla Ice, Rob Bass, or salt and pepper? Oh, man. I, I kind of think all of them, to be honest with you, uh, at least for a little bit, right? You know, and, and watch a little, you know, and, and see how it goes. And I figure everybody's going to be watching the concert anyway, so nobody's going to be, you know, Refreshing their web, their uh, their their internet browsers too much for these uh, these spring game stories. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm actually really curious to see how it goes. Like, are they going to perform some songs together? Do you think? I think they they could do that, right? Do we know the order? Who's going? For- I don't. I I don't. I I was wondering that too. I would. Yeah, man, I don't know. I would guess Rob Bass and then Salt and Pepper and then Vanilla Ice. But I, I, don't, I don't know. But no there's idea. there's there's ego, and they're taking this tour all over. So maybe they just literally rotate. Your first. That's, I, that's what I'm seeing. That's what I mean. I can kind of see that. Good, and you just kind of like you know tagging in and out. Are you guys? Lennafelt's not. Tommy, are you old enough to remember Coach Bowden's 25th anniversary in the Civic Center? I was not there, but is this when KC and the Sunshine Band? KC and the Sunshine yeah, Band. So I've heard Absolutely. stories, but I was not there. And there were three or four other groups uh, that were there. I don't recall who they were. I just remember KC and the Sunshine Band were last. I remember it. And, um, and, and they were touring together. 
so a similar type of uh, uh, thing that uh, Jason Dennard and his people have put together. Maybe we should maybe we should go to Vegas and see what the betting line is. Who appears first? Who appears second? Who appears third? What do you think? You pr- you can. There's prop bets on everything, so that's probably on the board right now. Along with something like this, Tim, when we roll the ball out to play Virginia Tech on Labor Day night, James Blackman, I would presume, is the odds-on favorite to be the starting quarterback, or has anything happened this spring to change that thinking? Uh, I think that that's he. I think that is accurate. I think he's still the odds-on uh, favorite, as you said. But I tell you what, man, I feel better about DeAndre Francois' chances today than I did three weeks ago um you know he looks sharp out there he was moving around pretty good still wearing the brace on the knee uh, but seems to be uh ramping it up in practice and and i think with uh you know more time to to heal and get fully healthy and then hopefully a a full fall camp as a a full and healthy participant i I really do think that he he could have a lot to say about it i think right now you have to give the edge to james just because he's been the guy taking all the all the full reps and and he's been healthy and he's also you know coming off practically a full season um, as a starter, but uh, I, I'll, I'm to the point where I'll be surprised if, if DeAndre Francois doesn't have a say in that race this fall. Tim, do we know much more about format? Uh, will, the, will the quarterbacks be live? Will they be in non-contact? Uh, how are we going to play with only seven healthy scholarship linemen? Uh, do we know any of those other particulars yet? I, I don't expect quarterbacks to be live. Uh, and as for linemen, uh, you know, I'm really not sure about that. My guess is that they're going to, you know, have to rotate those guys like we've seen in spring games in the past, just because, like you said, there's numbers are what they are, and so you're going to have to to kind of mix and match a little bit. Uh, but I don't know that for sure. But I would be given given that there's three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster, and and one of them hasn't been a play, you know, he's recovering from an injury of his own, uh, and Bailey Hoffman's been a little dinged up too. Um, I will be uh, there. I can't imagine the quarterbacks. Do sure, that. sure. Who else is dinged up and not going to play this week? Uh, obviously, uh, a key receiver in Nooney and uh, Big Marvin on the defensive line. But who else is out? Uh, some of those guys that n- nobody really that's a that's a surprise. And people on the offensive line, uh, you know, Baby on Johnson, Alec Everly. Some of those guys aren't going to play. But I, I think everybody who's been been practicing throughout the spring, I think, should be good. Uh, Willie Taggart was asked today about uh, about Cam Akers and Bailey Hawkman. Both those guys have been kind of in and out and he said that uh, both of those guys they'll, they'll practice and, and they're they're expected to play so um aside from the the, the people who we know were out or the people who, who haven't practiced all spring i think they've actually for for as, as much as the narrative has kind of been about injuries i think they're actually you know in pretty good shape for the shape they're in well part of the reason the narrative gets about injuries is because practice is closed so you can only see so much and one of the things you can see is guys who aren't practicing i guess sure. uh, um oh i lost my tra- here we go so this hurry up and uh, not hurry up, but the tempo. How many how many seconds are going to be on the clock on average when the ball gets snapped? I mean, how quick is this going to go? Uh, I think pretty quick. You know, I, I haven't I haven't timed it as much uh, over the last few weeks as I did early on, but you know, it seemed like they were running you know anywhere between twelve and sixteen seconds between plays. So what is that on the on the play clock? Like, so that uh, would be twenty eight to twenty four on the forty second clock. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then I would probably just adjusting for, you know, still learning and things. I would say, you know, maybe extend it a little bit, but I would say, you know, somewhere in the in the twenties or high teens would probably be what I would guess. Okay, so I mentioned the quarterbacks because we always talk about the quarterbacks, and we've asked you about guys that have stood out, but uh, a little bit in our last couple of weeks worth of conversations. But what are you most intrigued or most excited to see on Saturday? Most anticipating? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, you, you know what, man? Uh, one on either side. I have been really, really impressed with the tight ends uh, this uh, this spring, and, and doubly so considering that, that some of those guys, uh, Gabe Neighbors and Jonathan Vickers, are, are making transitions you know they were fullbacks and now they're working as tight end i i think they've all looked really good uh nasir upster trey mckitty to me are, are two of the big pleasant surprises of the spring uh gabe neighbors i've seen go up and make some really nice plays in traffic you know he has some hands that that maybe you didn't expect uh given uh, that you hadn't really seen him be used as a receiver so i'm interested to see what kind of impact that position group has i think they're going to have big things to say uh for the offense this fall and, and then on defense i'm you know i'm excited about the secondary uh you know, I really like what uh, what what we've seen from Jaden Woodby, the uh, the young safety. Stanford Samuels, I think, is has a, a chance to be the next kind of star uh, on this defense. Everybody really likes his game and, and what he's brought to the table. Um, and then, of course, Levante Taylor, who uh, you know, to me, I think is 
you know, he kind of knows, I think, what's on the line for him uh, as a, you know, the, the next sort of leader of this defense, the, the upperclassman, the defensive back that you know, kind of fall in that lineage, uh, you know, from a you know, Jalen Ramsey to a Derwin James. I think he sort of sees, you know, himself as, as having an opportunity to step into that kind of role and then, you know, obviously potentially uh, go on to do what they, they did or are getting ready to do at the next level. So, um, you know, those two position groups, and, and which, you know, coincidentally, you know, could go up against each other more than a few times on Saturday. Uh, I'm really excited to see how they match up and, and how they perform. Hey, Tim, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. couple of locations to choose from. They're at 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. KJ, I feel like this is... I was just going to ask Timmy, it's, it's, is Timmy, are you, are you the hands-on guy in your household or do you rely on uh, others to do that type of work for you? No, well, you know, I, I really try to uh, to be the, the hands-on guy. I like the idea, and if, uh, if it's something I can figure out in a YouTube video, uh, then uh, then usually I'm all for it, but uh, but sometimes I get a little nervous. And well, then you can, all, you can call Ron. You can up. just call Ron, and he'll walk you through it. I, I, got, I got a list for him. I, can, I need to give him a call. You know, you mentioned YouTube video, and I feel that's perfect for what we're waiting to see because everybody can go to YouTube and see what a tempo they can watch Oregon play and all these teams. But we haven't seen it in the garnet and gold, and I that's why there there hasn't been this much anticipation for a spring game, Tim. Probably in your life, probably in anybody's lifetime. I mean, spring football at the end of the day. I mean, uh, th- there's a lot of hype here. No, I, there really is, and uh, you know, man, it's it's exciting, and I and I think you know so much of of what the conversation has been about the. You know the the fun and the excitement and and the speed and all that kind of stuff and just you know sort of the breath of fresh air. I mean, it's one thing to to get you know this new philosophy and new style and new approach to doing things, but then when you add in the fact that it's just a complete and total polar opposite to what Florida State fans have been used to over the last ten years. And you know, I'm not commenting on on the merits of that approach. Obviously, uh, Jimbo Fisher and the previous staff had a lot of success. Uh, doing what they did, but it is a complete and total difference uh, difference than than what you're seeing right now. So, um, yeah, man, I, I don't blame people for being excited. It's just something that you know we really haven't seen. I mean, ever uh, at that Florida State, certainly not in modern times. So it's it's going to be cool to get a first real look at it. He is our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. You otherwise can, known as the man. You can catch his post game thoughts on Seminoles.com, but wait till the concerts are ending because he wants to partake in the festivities as well. Tim, thank you. You got to guess. Oh, my goodness. We're going to hear about that from him. You know that, right? Probably. Also remind you, if you're going to be in town on Friday night, visit College Town for the uh, kickoff weekend. Friday night, Bach Party presented by the Florida Lottery Bright Futures Scholarship Program. For more information, go right back to the same. Seminoles.com. You can get all your answers. You can also get your tickets. I can't say it enough. They want you to buy your tickets ahead of time. So if you haven't bought them yet, uh, unless you enjoy standing in line, so you go online. Which they're potentially like, yeah, go online and they get emailed to you. It can't get much easier. And you print them out, and instead of having to stand in line, you go through where they've got the scanner. You go through a quicker line, yeah. And I don't even know inside. if you have to print them. It probably says you probably can just show your phone and maybe get scanned. But I don't, don't hold me to that. What, what, what does that Don't do? hold me to that. What Champions that Club seats are gone, which means that, uh, you know, our little message has helped there. People have gotten the word. Uh, but but uh, plan to enter early at the Champions Club because they're going to have the biggest crowd that they've ever had inside the Dunlap Champions Club. Uh, Keith, you and I will be there on Saturday and uh, should be fun. Be a very short pregame. If you're, little, you're going to take a transistor with you, we'll be on the air at 5.30, kick off approximately 6. Um, we'll get Gene and Bar Nunn involved. They're back. It'll feel like football. We'll be excited and then we'll wake up on Sunday and we'll know that we're months away from the actual start of the season. But we'll have the... God, we'll I'm such a buzzkill. We'll have the ability... <laughs> we, we will have listened to the 90s concert. It'll be all good, Tommy. It'll be all good. It's all good, Tommy. It's we will good. wrap it up and start counting down the days until they uh, count for real next week here on Front Row Knowles. Talk to you then. Hey.